I have the thing that will help you sleep or go back to sleep when you wake up in the middle of the night and it is 50% off. Yes, it's CBD oil and it is my go-to when I'm anxious, stressed, or my head is spinning in the middle of the night and I can't sleep. I love Feels CBD oil. I found Feels a little over a year ago. I started experimenting with it and it's given me so much peace now. Knowing that I have that if I wake up in the middle of the night and it will help me go back to sleep. Feels uses 100% organic MCT oil as the carrier oil to stabilize and increase CBD's bioavailability. Their products are formulated with only the purest ingredients and without the use of fillers, flavors, or unnecessary fluff. CBD oil naturally helps to reduce stress, anxiety, and pain, and sleeplessness. And the way it works is that CBD interacts with your endocannabinoid system. So just like we have receptors for dopamine and serotonin, we also have receptors for cannabinoids. And these receptors act like traffic cops to control the level and activity of neurotransmitters. It is not addictive, and there are no psychoactive properties. It couldn't be easier to use. Just place a few drops under your tongue, hold it there, swallow. You will feel the difference instantaneously. The best way to get high-quality CBD oil at a discount is to become a Feels member. That gives you 30% off, which is huge. I'm a Feels member, and I have the 2,400-milligram bottle shipped monthly. Yes, I recently upped my dose. There's no shame in that. If you've tried CBD oil before and it didn't work, it's probably because you weren't taking enough. With our special code, you actually get 50% off your first order. So become a member today by going to feels.com forward slash wellfed, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. They also have CBD mints and you can subscribe to those as well and get a discount. Again, that's feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com forward slash well-fed to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com. And you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome, friends. We are so happy you are here. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. My website is coconutsandkettlebells.com. There you'll find a lot of different recipes and articles and workouts and the show notes for all the episodes of this podcast, the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 376, and I'm here today with my co-host of seven years, Stephanie Ruper, OG paleo blogger who in the beginning raised awareness of the lack of literature and science when it comes to all these dieting tips and tricks and nutrition tweaks and like that lack of literature when it comes to specifically a woman's physiology. Go figure. She's here with us live, folks. So today our topics will include summer shifts specifically for skin and what to do to limit chlorine exposure if you're a pool family, uh, the effects of caffeine on blood sugar and just caffeine sensitivities and why that may vary from person to person, how to know what supplements to take, how much, when, why, and tips for eating while traveling to reduce stress. Stephanie, it's, it's an honor to have you here. Oh, an honor. Thank you so much. (laughs) Likewise, you know, I woke up this morning thinking, you mentioned it's been, did you say seven years? It's been seven years. Mm -hmm. PCOS Unlocked, my first 
e-program about the, you know, hormones and women's health and nutrition is 10 years old this year. Just like, it's just a little, it's just really? a little mind blowing. Yeah. 10 years old. So it's been a minute. We've been doing this for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Very long minute. An extended minute. It has been an extended minute. Yeah. yeah. So um, thank you all. Thank you all so much. I wonder how many people have been listening for seven years. I don't know, but I always love it when people email me and they're like, I've been listening since day one. I'm like, wow, (laughs) because there's not that many. Like when we first put out the podcast, we maybe had three or 400 downloads um, initially Mm. on that first episode. Of course, then it just exploded and grew. But like when we first were putting it out, we had like three or 400 downloads on each episode. Yeah. And then it just built and built and built um, to a lot. Um, the first couple years, especially as paleo was was popular. But the funny <laughs> thing is, we were talking about paleo, but yet we were talking about why not paleo? <laughs> like, you know I what know. I mean? We were saying like, here's all the problems w- with this idea, and here's how it's kind of morphed into something different, and and why we yeah. support eating carbohydrates and stuff like that. So I think that that was part of the reason why, but also the entire movement shifted. It it started out one thing, but then evolved into. Um, yeah. much more now. So, yeah, yeah. Now, now we've got a shtick. We've got a pretty solid shtick, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. which is, yeah, which is exciting. Anyway. Yeah, it's good. It's good to know. Good to know where you land. Although sometimes I feel like we don't necessarily have a home, which is fine. I think that's the healthiest place to be. That's our home. That's our home. <laughs> it really right. is. The liminal spaces, yeah. uh, English major might say. <laughs> So any, um, where are you and what are you doing now? Just as a quick, quick briefer. Um, I'm sitting in my parents' home in Michigan, putting on a pair of salsa shoes. Cause I just ordered a pair. I'm literally, I'm, I'm fidgeting with a pair I put on. I ordered a pair. I get my, um, I don't know if I've ever told you all this, but I have a shoe person. I have a shoe guy <laughs> Okay. and he's in Milan. And wow. I know. Well, when you live in Europe, it's not such a big deal that your shoe guy's in Milan. But when you live in the United States, when you're in the United States and I like meet somebody in a bathroom and my favorite conversations in the world always happen in women's bathrooms with strangers. Mm -hmm. And we talk about shoes and I'm like, I get mine made in Milan. Um, Yeah. So I'm I'm, I anyway, I got some shoes delivered because I have a lot of plans for this upcoming summer uh, and uh, they need to fit like perfectly. So I just sit in them. And see, you know, I'm not going to like dance while we're podcasting, but I am going to wear them and see how they feel after a couple hours. So, yeah. So that's what I'm doing in this moment. What are you doing at this moment? (laughs) I'm sitting in my closet, actually kind of annoyed and frustrated because it's been a rough morning. Um, That's my life update. Let's unpack your thoughts. Oh, I don't think we want to unpack that. (laughs) There's marriage involved. There's parenting involved. (laughs) A little bit of work, a little bit of business. It's all the things. Um, gosh, why am I annoyed? I didn't sleep very so I went to D- I did a little trip last week with Beauty Counter. We did some it was really cool, actually. I, we got to meet, even though we didn't get to go to Capitol Hill and meet in person, we did meet with a lot of different um senators like their staff. Um and so there's a bill specifically out that's limiting uh, PFAS, P-F-A-S, that um, trying to get that out of cosmetics and just out of like any sort of products that people are using, goods and goods and whatnot. 
And so we were trying to encourage people to, you know, co-sign the bill. And um, a lot of these staffers didn't actually know anything about it. And even some of them were like, well, how do I know if things, if like what I'm using has this stuff or is free of endocrine disruptors or whatever. And so it was really cool to have like meaningful, I think, conversations. However, like um, many people, given my Instagram poll, I don't sleep well when traveling, especially due to chronic pain and my back and stuff like that. And there was a lot of standing happening and I was already in pain. And then I just didn't fall asleep till like 6 a.m., maybe more like 6.30. I don't know. The sun was definitely up and I finally fell asleep. That's how it works, huh? And I needed to be somewhere at 8.15 and I missed it. So once you like don't sleep one night and you only get like an hour of sleep in the in the morning, it's really hard to get back on track. So like the day was just, I was tired. And then that night I still didn't sleep while well. I still got to sleep like maybe more around one but I had to get up early. So I've been trying to recover from all of that. One thing that's I've noticed as I get older is is I get headaches easy, <laughs> more easily now, which is mm. funny because that's what what used to be your thing. But <laughs> still a thing. Yeah, still a thing. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it just like I start to get almost like a motion sickness, dizzy feeling. I'm very mm-hmm. prone to motion sickness, and it, it gets worse the more I look at my computer, my phone, and that's actually a legit thing, folks. Like, scrolling makes you – can actually screw you up um, and make you feel that motion sickness feeling like you would feel if you're reading in the back of a car. So I'm just more sensitive to that kind of stuff and irritable oh. and, you know, all the things. So we've been trying to get back on track this week. Um we have a very – my husband and I are co-race directors, again, of a race called Feed Fairfax, and basically we're running – we're hosting a 5K, and then after you run that 5K, you actually take what money that was raised with you running the race, you then pack meals for kids in our county who don't have enough food to eat or who are on free and reduced lunch, because a lot of kids who are on free and reduced lunch go home and don't eat dinner or don't eat on the weekends. So it's a way for kids to actually be able to eat um, when they're outside of school. So we distribute them through the schools and it's really growing, which is great. And a lot of people are signed up this year, but it's also that means just more crowd control and stress and the news, like local news station reached out to us to do an interview. So my husband's been really consumed with that. So we just don't really see each other as much anymore. (laughs) Because, like, we're trying to work full-time jobs, but then also be parents and then try to work on the race. The race is in a couple weeks, on May 14th, um, which it'll probably already have happened by the time this is out. I think it'll have just just happened. So it's just, like, a lot going on. And truthfully, like, when my husband and I are, are doing a lot of different things, like, and we're not communicating well, then we just – there's just, like – it, we need our downtime together. Um, mm-hmm. So then we get irritable with each other, which I think is normal, but still. Hey, well, we get irritable with the kids and then I get irritable with him because I'm like, stop doing that. And then, you know, like <laughs> marriage and parenting is hard, but you it's hard when you have different, um, not different views, but different ways of parenting or different things that you would do in different scenarios. And so I step in and I'm like, mm, this isn't going to work with her. Like you can't do that. And then he's like, oh, I'm just doing it wrong. Why don't you parent? You know, so then it's like, I'm <laughs> sure a lot of people can relate, but it, 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 it's tough when you have different 
personality. You, you, you as individual parents have different personalities. And, you know, there's all these parenting philosophies out there now, like gentle parenting and positive parenting. And then you have your traditional disciplinary parent. You know, it's like so it's everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got strategies and you're trying to parent. You have to parent each child differently. And so that just takes a lot of skill and work and coordination. And then you got to like resolve how, you know, and decide how, how you want to move forward together, which is very hard. So mm-hmm. life, that's my life update. <laughs> not non-entertaining as that is. Um, <sighs> so I'm not, I'm not traveling the world, not dancing, not wearing really cute shoes right now, still wearing the same, uh, ultras that I wear every day. <laughs> Wait, but can I also share that I'm wearing a pair of um, holiday themed sweatpants with candy canes on it because, wow. um, well, yeah. So when I visit, like I, I just leave some stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, <laughs> like yes. they've just been here for 20 years and they're just like here and I've got all my other stuff in the wash. So like, please don't envision something glamorous, you yeah. know, and I'm wearing like a beat up uh, baseball cap and candy cane sweatpants right now (laughs) what are the like really fancy shoes (laughs) what what color are the shoes um they're gold uh, with a bunch of opal stones like very large opal rhinestones okay and so this is going to sound really naive but why do you need so many different shoes for dancing or is it like different shoes for different types of no so i only ever (laughs) I don't know if I've ever shared this with y'all either, but um, so I always, almost always wear heels. Mm -hmm. I almost never wear flats. So my leg muscles are precisely calibrated to being at 10 centimeters high. So then when I dance salsa, like I'm always, yeah, 10 centimeters, that's four and a half inches. So um, it's about four and a half inches. Uh, I actually always wear um, the same shoes, but I dance so frequently that I go through them much more quickly than other people, you know, okay. or like some people go out and they'll dance like a few dances and that's like it. Hang on, talk. But I'm like, I mean, y'all, y'all have seen the videos now, right? Like I'm, I'm <laughs> first one there, last to leave and I'm going the whole time usually. So, um, so yeah, I, I replace, you know, I update my shoes like once a year or twice a year. And, uh, I'll often try a few pair and then, you know, send some back. Or like if I'm in Europe, I can buy them in person, but I can't if I'm here. Um, and I'm traveling soon, so I wanted to buy ahead of time. Yeah. So, because um, you don't want to be stranded and not have any shoes. There was a video well, that, that, yeah, there was a video that looked like you were dancing like in a, like almost looked like a homecoming dance or you like in a gym. <laughs> um, do you mean, so. <laughs> I was like, did she go uh, back to high school? <laughs> So dancing happens in like a lot of different kinds of venues and often in the evenings will be say out at a bar or what have you. But sometimes there it's actually quite common for dancing to happen in um, churches, for example, Hmm. um, or like a large right. Like where is a community center where there's a large open space? So community centers have them, dances have them or um, churches. And then uh, I think the video you're talking about was at a dance studio. Um, oh, okay. I thought the lights were like so lovely. Yeah. And, um, and that's cool because people then who like attend that dance studio go and other people go, you know, I just dropped in cause I knew it was happening. So, um, and you know, rebuilding after the last couple of years, everything is kind of in flux. We're all like, uh, getting back in touch with each other, trying to figure out, you know, like, where are we going to dance? We have to dance. Where are we going to dance? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what's happening in world dancing right now is everybody's kind of like reestablishing connection. So oh, 
Love it. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. So our first question is going to be a little bit of a discussion, an extension of our discussion. Um, There's a variety of them from Eileen. She says, what exciting plans do you both have for this summer? Oh, we get to answer that right now. Okay. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, I love talking about my plans. Uh, In uh, less than two weeks, uh, I'm going to France. And then I'm going to France. I'm going to France. Going to the south of France. I'm going to. Um, I'll probably be. I'll probably make a quick stop in Paris. I'm going to make a stop in Lyon. I've been working on my uh, Duolingo, so you know, je parle français, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm. 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 Uh, I'm going to Europe, and I'm spending a little bit of time in France, and most of my time uh, based in London. I have an Airbnb in London. Did I tell you all this? Um, and uh, I found a place to stay that I'm super excited about. Uh, it's hosted by a few people who seem really, really cool. And they have a Bichon Frise. And I've always had this like weird, funny yes. relationship with Bichon Frise. I've right. never seen it in real life. Really? I, I do have that bumper sticker, um, you know, that says life is better with a Bichon Frise. And it's got a Bichon Frise <laughs> staring off magnificently into the like distance. So I'm really excited to meet these people. I'm really excited to connect with old friends and colleagues. I will be having conversations about the next steps in my life while I'm there. So um, a lot more to come, but it's all super exciting for me, both personally and professionally. Very nice. Are you traveling with anybody? Or are you traveling by yourself? Um, yeah, I could I could count on one hand the number of times I've traveled with other people, and like I don't got enough phalanges for um, <laughs> my solo travels. Um, yeah, I'm going alone, uh, but I'm actually going. This is funny. I'm I because I have historically traveled alone, but I've also realized and gotten better at being around people more. You know, you're talking about having difficulty sleeping while traveling, and I used to be. So have to like so precisely control my environment mm-hmm. that traveling with other people is really tough and living with other people. But I've gotten a little I've like got some things, you know, like established more habitually and comfortably. And so it's I'm more capable of like staying with other people. And I realize that like it's fun, you know, like being alone has its benefits. But I so I would t- traditionally I like retreat to my alone space when I need to protect myself and I need that a little bit less than I used to, which is really fun. So I am going to be staying in another person's place instead of staying alone. And, uh, you know, I've got tons of friends that I'm going to go visit and stay with. And it's cool that I've sort of like gained this, um, you know, freedom and ability to uh, visit and travel. So it's fun. Good. Yeah. That sounds exciting. Thanks. What um, are your summer plans? Oh, yeah. My summer plans, guys, riveting. Um, Parenting <laughs> summer I, So we uh, just became members of a large pool, outdoor pool. I knew um, you were going to say that. Oh, awesome. Yeah, which is actually going to perfectly segue into our next um, thing. Actually, I do have plans now that I think about it. So we're going to be trying to really... And so both the kids have been in swim lessons for over a year. They've gotten – Stella is really great at swimming. She's good on her own. Maverick's getting better at, like, putting his face in the water and all that kind of stuff. But it's been a slow progression. And so anyway, that's been really important to us. So we're doing the swim lesson thing still every week. And then we're just going to work with them more in the pool, try to do – just have fun. I loved being – I grew up just going to the pool all the time at the YMCA. And I would just – as I got older, I would just go by myself and meet friends there and – 
it was awesome. Um, and I ended up, that was like where, where one of my first jobs was. And when I, where I got involved in triathlons was that exact same YMCA. So um, I just was like a pool kid and I, my kids just love swimming in the pool. So I'm excited to work on that with them. And then um, we're actually traveling for the first time with both of our kids on an airplane. Um, so that's going to be probably the entirety of my summer that'll that'll wipe me out but we are going down to um the Riviera Maya there's uh, a couple places down there that we absolutely love and are really really great at they some of them have um what do you call it a greenhouse on the actual uh resort and they're really good at doing gluten-free stuff and just working with food allergies they provide a ton of really fresh and wonderful food which honestly is like really important to me <laughs> so like because i don't want to go and get sick been there done that don't want to do it it's really i just have like a mostly i think it's now just a lactose intolerance which is fairly normal so um i am really excited to take the kids there it's going to be again more swimming and pools and just enjoying each other as a family and doing our first family vacation because my husband and I really haven't we haven't traveled since having kids at all we did it once with my daughter um but when she was like one um but this will be like our first solo family vacation so I'm excited about that I'm also a little hesitant but it does seem like it will be it's a you know we we try to make it as easy as possible a one-way flight and we have new toys and new fun things for the flight i definitely will have an ipad loaded with movies so the kids can watch that we may get a second but i keep fighting that because i'm like no you guys have to freaking share like it's just like learn to share be a sibling um so we'll probably do movies on that just to entertain them on the flight like this is when you this is when you bring the stuff out and then it'll be a little bit difficult finding figuring out ways to deal with car seats and stuff like that but we'll figure it out so um we're looking forward to it other than that doing the same thing my kids are in camp my son's going to camp for the first time doing a little little preschool bible camp thing and we'll see how that goes because that'll be the first time i'm like dropping him off and being like bye maverick see you later <laughs> so we'll see how that goes but yeah that's what we're doing okay um Second question from Eileen, has Noelle ever gone out dancing with Steph? This made me think, Steph, back in the day. Um, I think you have. No. Have you? No, we were, we wanted to. We wanted to do like a Paleo FX meetup where we would dance or something. Or like we even thought about make, like part of the book tour doing like a dancing thing. Never happened. So. Oh, I went, because I went out, I think I went out the year you went what the what the year we were at Paleo Effects together. And I thought you might have been there. I thought it was the year before that you did that. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I anyway, no, gone. heartbreakingly no. But now it can't happen because no, I go can't. I don't even leave the house until probably after Noelle goes to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the cards, folks. It's so funny. Like, you know, when I'm staying with my mom or we're like talking on the phone and I'm somewhere else and it's like nine or 10. I'm like, well, got to shower and get ready to go dancing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, no, not my life at this point. No, um, I, I can dance with her during the day. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Um, okay, so let's jump into pools and chlorine. So how much impact can this have on health? When swimming, 
ways to lower impact from chlorine, best adjustment uh, recommendations for skincare and makeup for the summer, especially impact when the sun went in the sun a lot or at the beach, um, in the ocean or a lake. So these are all really, really great and thoughtful questions. Um, do you have any thoughts about chlorine? Yeah, I'll share. I, I read through your notes and so I'll share like around the edges of your notes. Um, I stay very far away from chlorine. I go nowhere near chlorinated pools. Like I just, I don't, I don't, I don't for so many reasons. One, it turns my hair green. Two, um, it does. It does. Two, yeah. it's, my, my skin is so delicate, like so delicate that I just, I don't, I don't like it. And most importantly, I get headaches from the smell. Hmm. Uh, and so that, that can be a thing. And I honestly, I have, I have no tips for how to mitigate any of those three things. So I just don't go near chlorine. But Noelle might have Noelle might have something to offer. So Okay. Um, Is this my turn? This yeah. I'm to go. Okay. Go. So and then we'll, I wanna I want to hear what you do to like adjust skincare if you do anything. If you are a female and you are living in the modern world, you likely deal with some form of anxiety and or stress and or sleep issues on a semi-regular basis like me. And one of the things that's not talked about often that can help support stress and anxiety is magnesium. Many people understand that magnesium helps sleep, but the body actually needs magnesium for so much more than that because it's involved in 80% of the body's metabolic reactions and about 75% of people are not getting enough magnesium, especially women, because stress burns up magnesium. One critical thing you can do today to support your adrenals, hormones, and mental health is to take a compound magnesium supplement like Magnesium Breakthrough. Stress and anxiety deplete your magnesium levels. Low magnesium levels can contribute to more anxiety. It's a vicious cycle. So by supplementing with Magnesium Breakthrough, you can break that cycle because you'll be getting seven unique forms of organic full-spectrum magnesium for stress relief and better sleep. I've been taking two every night before bed for the last couple of years, and it's one of the only nutrients that I'm like, this is, this has to happen daily. And there's a new and improved formula with Magnesium Breakthrough, so they're making it more absorbable, which I really appreciate because they want to make sure we're getting our magnesium and we need it. Uh, for our exclusive offer, go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash wellfed. Our code is wellfed10. You will also save if you buy in bulk, which we do. And I just went ahead and added a subscription because I keep running out and I know that I'm going to be taking two every night. I know my husband is too. So we buy the bulk option. I just went ahead and did a subscription every three months, which gave us an additional discount on top of that. So that's nice. Again, our link is Mag Breakthrough. So it's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com forward slash wellfed. Our coupon code for 10% off is WellFed10. So the chlorine can be dangerous. Exposure, repetitive, long-term. It's not just the immediate dose, but it is the dose of exposure over time. And I just want to make this quick note because I do think sometimes, you know, we see a lot of back and forth and conspiracy theories and, oh, that's not really bad for you and it's not toxic and all the things. It's not, when we're thinking about risk, and, you know, exposure risk, we're not talking about just the exposure to one toxin or one substance. It's really the the cumulative, cumulative effect of all of those things that we're exposed to over time. So not just 
the one exposure or even short, small, short-term exposures of one thing. It's all the toxins, all of the things that we're exposed to on a daily basis and that load, that impact that that has on our bodies. So, and to even more so, it's interesting because a lot of the research is now showing that there are different times in our lives which this exposure or exposure to toxins or exposure to endocrine disruptors is so much more important than others. So we have these vulnerable times, i.e. pregnancy, breastfeeding, um, children, young children during really big growth spurts, uh, puberty, stuff like that, that we know these, you know, certain uh, substances can have an even more of a negative impact than like at other times in our lives. So I... I do think that repetitive chronic exposure to chlorine, it's something we need to be thoughtful of and aware of. Um, When it comes to chlorine, pools can actually have higher than recommended chlorine levels, just basically due to poor staff management. So that's something to consider or question about. Some pools really are (laughs) intense on this and will write, you know, take notes and have it publicly visible. Um, And they'll test regularly and you can see those lifeguards testing regularly. Others, not so much. So this is something that we really need to think about, especially because, you know, our skin is our largest organ. So if we have like... If it's an if it's a higher level of chlorine than what's safe, your skin absorbs up to sixty percent of what it's exposed to or what it comes in contact with. So that includes chlorine. Um, interestingly enough, chlorine competes with iodine in the body and can displace iodine uptake in the thyroid gland, which can lead to thyroid issues such as hypothyroidism. Um, And again, just something to consider. Chlorine is also a lung irritant due to the gases it emits, um, which is why some people don't feel great, like Steph was saying. And then chlorine does disinfect the water, but it also can create compounds called um, DBPs, so disinfection byproducts, which are known carcinogens. So how you can kind of slow that chlorine exposure and or reduce your exposure overall to it or reduce the amount that your body absorbs. The best thing you can do is prioritize swimming in outdoor pools to minimize that lung irritation because indoor gases can get trapped. Um, Talk to staff, you know, talk (laughs) if you want to. Um, Just be aware of how much testing is happening. You know, are the staff regularly checking chlorine levels and adjusting, making adjustments? Um, Something that I hate and that is always recommended when you go to a pool is shower before you enter the pool. This actually really helps like reduce your overall exposure to the chlorine when you get in because having water on your skin kind of reduces that absorption, but it also washes off some of the organic matter in your skin and hair, which can react negatively with chlorine. It can create potentially cancerous byproducts. Um Create a barrier. So this is one of the things that I think is probably most effective. So after you rinse off and you've you kind of have your skin's a little damp, you can create um, barriers. First, physical barriers. So you can wear like goggles or a swim cap to protect your scalp. That's going to really reduce the overall um, exposure, like the chronic exposure while you're swimming. But you can also apply like a thin layer of a natural oil like avocado or coconut oil on your skin. Um, And you can spray a natural detangler on your scalp and your hair. And that's going to kind of create this like protective barrier, which will stop 
a ton of the chlorine absorption. It'll it'll limit it, so to speak. And then also do some sort of like natural lip balm where you're creating a barrier on your lips too, because that's another place that can it can absorb, but also it can really irritate and dry out your skin. When you're done doing the thing, doing the swimming, shower, like if you can, very quickly and do it in warm water, not hot because hot water will open up your pores. So do it in warm water. Make sure you're using, you know, a good body wash and really get it all over your skin. If you have kids or you take baths, you can actually put Epsom salt in baths post-swim and that will help um, detoxify the body, just support the body's detoxification processes. And then the last thing that's really interesting is vitamin C is actually known to neutralize chlorine. So a lot of people will take vitamin C powder, put it in, mix it with water, dissolve it in water, and spray their skin before they get into the water and right after. So if you cannot shower readily, get out of the water and just spray your body with like a diluted vitamin C. Um, And I can link to an interesting a recipe that I found in the show notes. Um, it's just, again, vitamin C and a little bit of water, and a, I think that's it. Um, and you can just spray that on your skin, and that will neutralize the chlorine. And then you would go and, you know, shower immediately. So that's what I got. Um, I think there are ways to be thoughtful about it, and but also, like, you can still participate in the swimming. And there's there's I think people, when we're talking about personal pools, there's also other ways to disinfect pools that do not use chlorine. So that's something to think about. If you have your own pool in your backyard, you can actually um, change up how, you know, you can use uh, alternatives to chlorine. So, okay. Anything? Oh, the summer skin stuff. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, you know, there's always this... Um, there's always a bunch of literature every winter time or when winter rolls around about like what to do for the winter when your skin might like get really dry. I don't know, my skin's always like maybe going to get really dry. So um, I don't I don't change my routine a whole lot. Like I'm always kind of focusing on hyper moisturizing. Um, I do. Honestly, I wear a hat almost all the time I go outside. And so because I have actually had very little success finding an SPF that doesn't irritate my skin, I do uh, wear the um, Dew Skin from Beauty Counter as a layer. And I might put another foundation on over that as a SPF. And if I'm going to be out, if I know I'm going to be out for like a long time and I might not have a hat on, then I'll put on something like heavy duty. Right. Uh, I am very serious about keeping the sun off my face. So um, I don't again, I don't uh, go swimming. I don't go into pools. I will go into natural bodies of water, but I'm not going to sit in one for hours. Right. So uh, an ocean usually. Uh, so I don't change up a whole lot there. Anytime my face gets wet, I moisturize afterwards because water is in itself, like kind of, you know, kind of drying. So uh, and I try not to overexpose to water. Uh, if I can go without it or I'll only wash once a day instead of twice my skin, my face. Um, and so those are just like generally some things I do. I don't like to over dry. I really like to moisturize. Um, I wear hats. I cannot, you know, um, I cannot emphasize, <laughs> uh, how helpful that is. Uh, you can try different SPFs all day long, but nothing's better for keeping sun off your skin than actually keeping the sun off your skin. And then that way I can like expose the rest of my body. 
you know? Um, mm-hmm. And of course, it's not always possible because the angle of the sun and all that stuff. Uh, but that's, um, yeah, that's what I do. My summertime skin. Cool. Yeah. I would say I definitely wear less makeup in the summer. Um, my my skin is more olive toned, so it does get like a little bit more warmer. And I do pick up color very easily without getting red, so, so to speak. But I hate I hate the feel of sunscreen, but I do. <laughs> yeah, I know it's not not the cool thing to say, but I do wear um, hats more now. And I my kids have all UPF clothing and they wear a safe non nano zinc oxide sunscreen. Back in the day, guys, the zinc oxide sunscreen used to not absorb into your skin and you'd have a bunch of white marks on your face. And now I'm happy to tell you that that is just not the way it is anymore. So (laughs) Beauty Counter makes a big tube of counter sun. It's non-nano mineral um, zinc oxide. That is going to be really, really good at blocking what what needs to be blocked, including blue light, because blue light can actually age you as well. So if you get a a tube, is that what it's called? A tube of that? It'll last you for sure the whole summer, like three people. I So I just buy one at the beginning of the summer. And they actually now have a a beauty counter has a counter sun for face. So it's specifically formulated for your face. If you hate putting sunscreen on your face, then you need this because it honestly, or you use Skin, which is like a tinted moisturizer. So that has like SPF 20, but you will not feel that chalky, heavy feeling on your face like you do with like normal mineral sunscreens. So when you're doing your routine. You want to do your normal skincare routine. I love vitamin C. I use it all year, but I definitely use it a lot in the summer, the vitamin C serum. So use your serum, apply a very lightweight moisturizer. Then you can apply either Skin, the tinted sunscreen, or you can apply the counter sun for face. Then you will put your makeup on over top of that. So that's crucial for the summer, of course. I tend to not wear as much foundation. I just, I find that maybe I can get away with just a little concealer under my eyes. And then, and also my skin tone changes. So sometimes it doesn't necessarily work as well, but I don't make a ton of changes to my makeup because I really like to use what I like to use. I'm not going to, besides the foundation shift, I really am like, well, no, I'm not, I'm I'm still going to wear my eyeliner and my (laughs) mascara and all the things. And skincare wise, I I do feel like moisturizing is really important, but also incorporating some good serums. So I don't like using oils in the winter. I don't like using thick night creams. Just because everybody's using a night cream doesn't necessarily mean you have to or that it's right for your skin. Some people love it. I think it's great. And I do use it during the winter. But I find that if I I can use my lightweight day anti-aging moisturizer at night, and it's much better because I don't I just don't like being hot and greasy and all the things at night. So it might be something worth experimenting with. Like, okay, put away your thick night cream and try just using your day cream as a night cream if you're starting to feel like your your skin is pill- – like the the skincare is pilling a little bit. Like it, you can feel it. Like you can kind of rub it off your skin um, if you rub too hard. And you can improve absorption with like a toner. So I use – I shift my cleansers a lot during the, su- the summer too. So I will use more – I'll use less cream-based cleansers and more charcoal pore cleansing cleansers. So I sh- I think that's the biggest shifts you can make, your cleanser and your moisturizer. Um, 
So I love if you have more oily skin or combo skin, shift to using something like something that has salicylic acid, like the clear pore cleanser from Beauty Counter. Um, I love the charcoal bar. I really do. I use it all the time post-workout, and I use it mostly day and night during the summer because I'm sweating more. I've got more impurities on my skin. I want to absorb that. I want to clear out my pores. So I can. I will link to all of that in the show notes if you are in listening to this in May, but I actually think it'll probably be valid for June, July as well. There's a new, the coupon code clean for all 20 will get you 20% off on Beauty Counter. Um, when is this going out? May 17th. Yeah. Clean for all 20. Um, we'll get you 20% off and I'll, I'll link to everything in the show notes. I think that's it. Okay. Okay. Let's get to the second question. Here we go. <laughs> I don't think we're, I don't think we're going to get to that fourth question, Steffi. Okay. okay. <laughs> so this one's from Annika. She says, can you talk about caffeine's effect on blood sugar? Why does it seem to have no effect for some people and others like me can barely have any without having a spike followed by a dip? It's very interesting. Um, looking into the literature, dipping into it quickly, as uh, I did thinking about this question, it is like so many things that we discuss debated uh, amongst researchers and experienced amongst people differently, you know, uh, and I would just say that I think a lot of the debate, you know, and a lot of why we see uh, different results in different studies is because like, it, you know, well, they're always conducted differently with different parameters and also like people are different. And so um, there's going to be a whole lot of nuance that's really hard to uncover. So I'll just um, say that as a blanket statement. Before diving in, I would also ask, uh, how does one know that one's blood sugar is fluctuating in response to caffeine? When you consume a caffeinated beverage, like a whole bunch of things are going on in your body. And you could definitely, I mean, most people experience like an increase in their energy levels and then a slump. And that would be due to a lot of factors and not necessarily because of your blood sugar. Uh, it could be blood sugar, right? That could be related. Um, but I would ask, and if you're really serious about this, or if you have um, type one or type two diabetes or metabolic syndrome or insulin resistance of some form, it's definitely worth it. If you want to be a caffeine drinker to watch your blood sugar levels on days when you drink uh, no caffeine and caffeine. And I would say also you might want to test different levels of caffeine. Um, a lot of the studies look at like two to four cups of coffee a day, which is like not. A, I mean, so I, I, I have about uh, four. Um, I So did I tell you all I went off coffee? I went off it for an entire month and I reintroduced it after being off it for a month and um, taking some supplements and, and now it's not, it's not bothering me anymore. So, um, oh, maybe it was I just know. like your overall load. I think it was money. overall, I think it was overall load. And, um, I also think there were like micro amounts of mycotoxins from mold and coffee. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that was, um, I think maybe I had have, <clears throat> You can you can still hear it in my voice, like I'm still working on it. But um, you had a guest on kind of recently about mast cell act activation, and that may have been a thing for me, um, which is typically you know activated by mold. But there are trace amounts in coffee, so that could have been it. It could have been 
Um, yeah, I'm actually, I'm not sure that seems the most likely thing to me. Also, of course, um, one of the, one of the compounds in, um, coffee, uh, yeah, caffeine, (laughs) um, like caffeine can, you know, inhibit different uh, enzymes that help the body process histamine. So there's a whole lot there. And something that Noel and I really want to get at with this question is we are so bio-individual. So that's like my personal relationship with caffeine has nothing to do with my blood sugar. I'm almost certain, you know, but uh, I react to it quite sensitively because of my histamine levels. And because, uh, you know, and it depends on days when I'm anxious, I never have coffee, right? Because I know what, the, I know what it's, it's like pouring gas on a fire, right? So um, we're all very bio-individual in that way. And uh, I have read, bringing it back to people who, you know, deal with their blood sugar issues, I think it's definitely worth looking into and doing some, you know, investigation into your personal physiology. Studies seem to suggest that long term, there is no real differentiation in in blood sugar management between um, people who drink caffeine and and people who don't uh, or that is or sorry, people who uh, have. And then also, of course, people who have like struggled with um, diabetes and with blood sugar. If you drink caffeine or if you don't long term regular use, there seems to be like a fading out of differences of impact on the health. And that may just because be because many people's bodies get used to caffeine over time or perhaps it's because things that people tolerate while they keep doing and they don't, they stop. Right. So long term drinkers tend to um, tolerate the effects well, although uh, a lot of people will keep going with coffee um, like me. even when uh, there appear to be some uh, potential downsides. So there's a whole lot of complexity here. It does seem like it could raise your blood sugar a little bit for people who struggle with insulin sensitivity in a less long-term fashion, right? If you're um, just starting out or you don't drink a lot of it, you start drinking more. It does appear that it like definitely could. On average, it can low, it can raise people's blood sugar levels a little bit. But when you look at it on average, right? Like, so we're looking at these big studies and they get data and they say, oh, okay, caffeine, right? The conclusion is caffeine appears to have an effect because on average, the, there's this one study that like 8%, there was an increase, uh, like this study is widely cited, 8% increase in blood sugar levels after a certain amount of time for this certain population. But if that's on average, like, where are you going to be on that scale, right? And so it's very important to understand that studies that make, that draw conclusions or propose conclusions about things affecting people in general, there will be a diversity of responses in that general response that leads to that median or mode number, right? So all of which is to say, we might see these general tendencies of, oh, long-term use doesn't seem to have much of an effect or short-term use does seem to have like a little bit of an effect, but we're all going to be like around that. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's really important to pay attention to um, your, you know, your own personal responses to substances and adjust accordingly. If you want free 
electrolyte supplementation, listen up, especially if you are active or follow a whole foods diet, because you lose electrolytes when you sweat, when you work out, and when you go to the bathroom, and these electrolytes have to be replaced through diet and supplementation. If you're following a whole foods diet, which is naturally low in sodium, you can actually be chronically deficient in electrolytes. This can show up as dizziness, muscle cramps, headaches, fatigue, sleep disturbances, and those stars when you stand up, especially on workout days, which was my personal experience. Element, my favorite electrolyte supplementation, makes grab-and-go electrolyte replacement packets. There is no sugar in them, no gluten or fillers, no artificial ingredients, and it's paleo-friendly. There are a ton of flavors and they are super tasty. I've been using Element on workout days and it has made such a difference. I no longer feel so thirsty and empty throughout the day and I don't have that dizziness I used to when going from sitting to standing post-workout. To grab a free sample packet of all the Element flavors, go to to drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed. All you have to do is pay for shipping on that. Again, it's drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed. Click on get yours, then grab yourself eight packets. You get to try all the flavors and you have free electrolyte replacement on hand. If you find a flavor you love, use that link to buy three boxes and get one free. Yeah, I agree. So I think... Caffeine affects, you know, I, I obviously cut out caffeine a while back and I used to love it. I used to drink it all the time. It would kind of be my pre-workout. And I think as my life became more stressful and I had more children, you know, I had more children. I had my second child, especially. It was after Maverick that I was like, I've got to tighten up on what I am allowing to screw up my physiology. <laughs> so... And I could tell that the more I drank caffeine, the more I would feel jittery or my digestion would be off in the morning or I would start to feel more anxious and jittery and just like almost like a sense of this like underlying nervousness. And I didn't want to feel like that. So I honestly think because caffeine frees up stored cortisol at rest and it can elevate your cortisol in the afternoon, I think that when we are sensitive or we're experiencing, maybe we're more sensitive to stress or maybe our adrenals are being a little bit more taxed or we're just we're just in a, in like a period of our lives where things are, are, are a little bit harder. Or things are more stressful. We've got little kids and you're trying to do, you know, eight million things. I think that that's when we see things us ourselves become more sensitive to things. Things become um, harder to manage, whether that's histamine or you have an allergic reaction or you're reacting more to caffeine. It all has to do with stress and how we manage our stress. It's not to say that people who pound coffee and drink more of it aren't stressed. It's just they they're able to, you know, maybe their physiology is a little bit different. So, um, and it because, you know, I just to like make this clear too, caffeine does it it kind of resembles this inhibitory tr neurotransmitter in the brain and it actually binds to receptor sites and inhibits adenosine, which is that inhibitory neurotransmitter from doing its job. So when that when your brain senses that there's this large buildup, 
it increases the firing of neurons. It kind of sees, oh, this is kind, there's kind of an emergency here. So the pituitary communicates to the adrenal glands that it's time to initiate the stress response. And so the adrenal glands release both cortisol and adrenaline at rest. And that feels really, really good. But if you're sleep deprived or you're struggling with adrenal dysfunction, I think you're going to notice that you're more sensitive to it and or it, it doesn't make you feel great. It may make you feel great in the short term, but not the long term. So this is personally why I chose to kind of make the shift to adaptogens and specifically cordyceps. I like doing that. I don't do that every day. I like doing that when I'm feeling like I need a little bit of a pick me up. I... um. And I like that better. It does not mess, doesn't make me feel anxious. It doesn't make me feel, it gives me like a boost of energy, but it's not that nervous energy. Um, and then at night, I really, really love reishi. And that, I do do that nightly. And I feel like that has helped me chill out a little better, bit better, get better sleep. And I'm just not, I don't have that like low-grade anxiety as much as I did before. So um and the, I do the, or I'm sure everybody knows this, but I do the Organifi Red Juice. And our code is, I believe it's wellfed, organifi.com slash wellfed. And then the reishi that I'm drinking at night, which I think so many people could benefit from, is it's called gold. And it's like a turmeric drink. And it's just reishi and um, turmeric and a couple other things, but it tastes lovely. And so I've kind of swapped out, this may be controversial, but I've swapped out doing any sort of dessert or sugar at the end of the night. So I'll just eat dinner. And then I just drink that gold drink at night. And I've been, my digestion's felt a little bit better. And I felt better because again, when you're, when you're in a sleep deprived, stressed out state, you have to really evaluate what you're, what you're allowing to affect your physiology and shift it. It's not to say that I think desserts are bad or sugar or dessert after dinner is bad. Like I'm a desserts queen. Believe me, I like my cookies, but I've, began noticing that I didn't feel great in the mornings on the nights that I would eat, you know, whatever. And so I may do it here or there with my kids. Like we just had a little bit of ice cream two nights ago, the not a moo, the, the coconut milk ice cream. But in general now, I just will have my my gold reishi drink, the one from Organifi, the turmeric one, um, and instead of a dessert. And I feel a lot anything. When I say dessert, I just mean anything like more chocolate or, or sugar based, um, and I feel a lot better. So, okay, let's get to our last question here. This is from Elizabeth. She said, supplements, how do we find out what we actually need, if they actually work, what to look out for, timing of the chosen supplements, what not to combine, unwanted additives, et cetera? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a huge question. And right. generally speaking, and I think I think we're both like this. I really like to get my nutrients from food when I can, right? Like mm -hmm. very generally speaking, I do what I can to uh, eat an anti-inflammatory diet that's rich in vegetables of all different shapes and sizes and colors and an array of animal products focusing on egg yolks. Like they're my big, I love them, you know, uh, Nature's multivitamin, as, as, <laughs> as is sometimes said. I don't know who coined that term. It definitely wasn't me. Was it Noel? I don't know. It was somebody. Um, I said that for a while. I'm sure I heard it from somebody, though. I don't know. I don't know. Liz Wolf wrote that book, Eat the Yolks. It sounds like something Liz would say, but I didn't read that book. But yeah, I don't know. 
Um, it's, probably, I own it's probably Liz. It's probably Liz. <laughs> With somebody. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and organ meats and that sort of thing. So I am hopeful that I'm hitting my bases. I don't take a multivitamin. Um, and I think this is like a fantastic foundation on which to then consider supplements. Uh, there are, um, a couple different approaches. One is to consider broadly things that people in general may be deficient in because of the like structure of the modern world. And I'm thinking most specifically of magnesium and vitamin D with K2, just add it, <laughs> um, because these are things that we don't get a whole lot of these days. And part of the reason that the paleo diet was so helpful for us, you know, like as a stepping stone in, in figuring out what to eat, right? Because we're looking at evolutionary history and we're saying, well, what what was the natural environment in which humans evolved? And when we think about that, we realized that there there were a bunch of things in it that aren't quite abundant now that we were adapted to. And now, now we don't necessarily have a whole bunch of, there used to be a much more abundant magnesium in the soil. And so we tend to be deficient in magnesium. And also we tended to be exposed to more sunlight. And so those are some things that one might like consider because it is something that is like broadly considered. And you might want to add vitamin C to that because adding some vitamin C probably doesn't hurt. And there are other like other people whose opinions I really trust might add more to that list. They might say, well, you should like sup supplementing with iodine is then on that list. But then you think, well, my iodine needs to be in balance with my selenium. And so do I add selenium to that list? And it starts to grow. <laughs> it does start to grow when you start thinking about all of the things that you might potentially be deficient in. You're Googling. Say you Google like a certain vitamin and you're like, oh, like I don't need any of the top foods with that vitamin in it. Like maybe I should, you know, and then all of a sudden you have this huge list of things you're taking. And so I tend to keep that simple. I definitely, I take magnesium three or eight every night. Um, and I have taken vitamin D in the past. Um, I think actually recently I, I took too much of it, which is a very long, complicated thing <laughs> that uh, that I did. But I definitely um, really believe in, in taking those things. And I'm trying to figure out what my right dose is um, for vitamin D. I figured out my magnesium a long time ago. The weight for <laughs> – I'll come back to way to figure out your dose. The other thing that is really important when you're considering supplementation is thinking about your specific health conditions and how to approach them. So this takes a lot of um, experimenting and tweaking and thinking, right? And maybe you want to get blood work done. You know, maybe you want to go to a doctor or trusted health practitioner and get some blood tests done to see um, what your levels are. Of course, it's very tricky because a lot of blood tests, like you're, you're not, and I don't know the nuances of all of this, but a lot of them, um, say they measure like free floating levels of this, but not the amount that's uptaken in your cells. And so you want to be very careful and very sure that you're actually testing for like the amounts of, of the vitamin that you're looking for. I like to think about specific health conditions I have and to do research on to what sort of deficiencies might play a role in that and what sort of supplements might help with that. Um, and I have been, I think, quite successful. I think the magnesium Taking magnesium regularly has really helped with my sleep. It's very important for headaches. Um, sometimes when people have migraines in hospitals, you get like just a, you know, like a whopping dose of magnesium, right? So magnesium is very important for me personally, right? So thinking about your personal health condition and how you can approach it 
really important, right? Like if you're dealing with thyroid issues, playing with different kinds of, I mean, if it's a autoimmune thyroid issue or any kind of an autoimmune issue, like looking at gut supportive supplements can be really helpful. But I was thinking of like iodine and selenium and are those related to the thyroid? And there's a whole huge body of literature that you might want to dig into, do research on, and then start with small doses. <laughs> Please start with small doses. And when you introduce a supplement, when I introduce a supplement, I try to not change anything else. It's really hard to do that. But whenever you're making a change, I want to give something at least a few days or a week on a smaller dose to see how it affects me. And this was a mistake I made with <laughs> vitamin D recently because I think I took too much. And um, that's fine because then I just waited a while and now I'm going to reintroduce at a much smaller dose and change very little and see how that affects me. So, yeah. That's uh that's a whole lot of stuff. I wanted to fit it all in. Um, you might also want to throw zinc onto the list. I mean, there's so many things you could throw onto the list, um, but I try to keep it simple and specific to my like personal, you know, things that I'm trying to dial in. Yeah, I in general, I'm you know, I think that we've always from day one preached here: get your nutrients from food. And the reason that we say that is. Nutrients that are found in food are much more bioavailable when they're found in whole foods. They have in really important cofactors that are needed for proper absorption. So in general, your goal should be to not need to be on supplements. I know it's kind of a <laughs> a revolutionary idea, but your goal is to not need to be on supplements. So what do I need? I need fat-soluble vitamins. I know I need to really be thinking about minerals. I know I need to be thinking about uh, protein and heme iron and quality food, quality, you know, sources of that. So you, the, the, the way to move forward would be to first create a diet that is rich in those nutrients and B vitamins and those sort of things and not be taking these huge doses of all these individual random nutrients that could be in levels that are that could create other imbalances in your body or other deficiencies in your body. So, you know, and so many people, they take out these huge bags and all these supplements and it's like, what? You, you have no idea how that is impacting all of the other everything else about your physiology. So I think we have some in, in, interesting concrete information about things like magnesium. I think that's a really important mineral. I think electrolytes are important to supplement with, things that we know that are quickly removed for the body or that are just not available in food sources. But truth be told, we have you can get really high quality food and get high quality nutrients from food and food is readily available now it's, it's you know readily available to everybody in this country and so i think that we've got to make that our priority you know it's important to educate yourself about retinol and the, that form of vitamin a versus beta carotene it's important to understand that vitamin d3 needs k2 and like how can you work on getting vitamin d you know from the sun and and if you suspect if you have specific symptoms or you have specific um some something is not right you know you, a lot of times and again i don't want it to get to that point i i hate telling people like oh you should wait till you have symptoms but the truth of the matter is we need to kind of treat it, it, s s 
supplements should be used to treat specific things, not just taken because somebody tells you to take it. So if you're feeling restless at night or if you're feeling, you know, you have X, Y, and Z symptom, you go to the doctor, you can actually run some panels and get or an organic acids test or get, you know, ask for some some blood work or ask, you know, for whatever is free. Try to do that first before you dig into to deeper stuff. But see where your levels are at for magnesium and for vitamin D and all of those things, because that's going to give you some information. And then you can supplement and you can retest and see where you're at. So you can see if your body's absorbing it. You can see if other things are out of balance. So I like using concrete information, seeing what you need, and then taking the feedback from that. When it comes, it's impossible to say, oh, you should never, you know, out of all of these supplements, you should take it here or there because, yeah, every supplement's going to be a little bit different. For example, if you're going to take, if you're, if you, are low in stomach acid and you need to work on digestion, like you're going to take digestive enzymes at a certain time. You're going to take um, certain, you know, specific things related to your, to your digestion. They're going to be taken at certain times. Um, magnesium, I think you can take it at any point in the day, but I think it's really great to take that at night. It really just depends on the nutrient. But so it's impossible to really say like you can do, you can this, you need to really focus on all the timing of all the nutrients. Again, the goal is for you not to have to be so worried about all these different supplements and when you should take them all. There really should be a minimal amount and you should really be focusing on how can I get this from food and how can I support my health and my immune system and my metabolism and my thyroid with nutrients from food. Um, that is what I'll say about that. I think, let me make sure I didn't have anything else to say. And I, I will say that quality is really important when it comes to supplements. Bioavailability is really important when it comes to supplements. And supplements have, there are certain times when supplements are important. So for example, if you get really sick or you, you know, there was very specific COVID protocols that I had nutrient-wise because like being sick stinks. And it's when your body, there's some clear literature that we have about zinc and vitamin C and how it can shorten the duration of viruses and colds and, and all that kind of stuff. So I have zinc lozenges that I take when I feel something coming on or my throat starts to get sore. And I have ionic zinc that I give my kids. I have vitamin C, a high quality form of vitamin C that we dose up when you know, we're sick. And I, and I think that there there's an important time for things like that. So, you know, uh, and ever since I've really started doing that, my immune system, my immunity has shifted tremendously. I, I wish I could go back because I wasn't doing any of this stuff when I had my mastitis eight times in a row. And once I started shifting, it's like my immune system has done so much better. But, um, you know, there's, there's, Quercetin. I love quercetin. Um, and that can be really helpful when you have a cold or a runny nose or whatever. So it's just supporting the elimination of histamine. So it's th there are things that I think supplement-wise that you can do to support your body when you're in during times of stress. But there's very, very limited amount of things that I would recommend you take daily. And I really, a lot of people always ask, oh, do you have a multivitamin you recommend? Or, oh, do you have a, a multivitamin that you recommend for kids? And I don't. I really don't recommend taking these vitamins that have all these different like varieties of, of nutrients that you don't know what levels that they're in. I really like being intentional and giving individual nutrients based on on what a child or what you need in particular. So that's the supplement discussion. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so that filled up our time. Um, Stephanie's always right about that. Three questions it is. So I will not <laughs> I will not push us to the fourth. But we uh, anything else from you, Steph? Nope. Okay. Thanks, guys, for being here. We love you so much. Uh, for more from Stephanie, she's at stephanie.ruper on Instagram. I'm at coconuts and cuttleballs on Instagram. And my website is coconuts and cuttleballs. We will talk to you next week.